man, let me ask you this. Do you always listen to your wife? Are you fully engaged in the conversations that you have? I guess, ladies, I could ask the, the same thing with you. I mean, are you fully engaged with your husbands at the time? Or, or, or do they hit that one or two topics where your eyes just kind of get glazed over and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, you know? Young people, do you have this little place in your heart, in your mind, in your head where you, you this little switch that every once in a while mom and dad are sparking and you just kind of, you, in your mind you look click and it goes off and you just kind of just sit there and maybe they talk and you're, and every once in a while you throw, uh-huh, 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 you have no idea what they're talking about, you just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, my wife and I have this conversation at times where she'll be talking, and, and by the way, my wife loves to talk, and that's a good thing. You know, she's, she's a good talker. So she'll be talking, and then and I'll ask her. I'll, I'll just say, hang on for a second. Do I need to be listening here? And she'll tell me, because there are certain places and times and topics where I need to engage. Sometimes I do the uh-huh, but there are other places where I need to be. It's kind of like the bullet points. I need to get the bullet points, and I remember, need to, uh, to remember these three bullet points. Now, I, I say that because, you know, if we're honest, not, not all of us are good listeners. Now, we, we are very selective at times when what we listen to. And, and the reason I bring that up is, is because the topic of listening to Jesus and listening to his words are absolutely, incredibly important to our life, to the way that we would live, the way that we would minister, the way that we would have a relationship with God. The, the key to our relationship with God is looking at the Word of God, looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus who is the Word made flesh, looking at Him and walking in obedience and listening to Him, even when it feels uncomfortable at times. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. It says this, don't just listen to the Word of God, but do what it says. Are we walking in obedience to God's Word, or are we selective at times in what we want to listen to and what we want to hear in life? And this is so important, listening to Jesus was so important that he got to a particular point in time in, in the Gospel of, of Mark where what he's going to do is he's going to up the ante with the people. And what he's going to do in, in one of the major teaching sections in the Gospel of Mark, he's going to tell them a parable. And by the way, this parable was so important, it was actually the key to all of the other parables. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to understand about me and understand about my teaching, understand ultimately about the kingdom of God and, and my life and how that relates, what you need to do is you need to be able to listen and understand this parable. As a matter of fact, it was such an important parable that Jesus offered a warning in the context of giving the parable. In Mark chapter 4, verse 10, notice how Jesus gives a warning about listening to his words. Mark chapter 4, verse 10 says this, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. Verse 11, he says, He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside... Everyone is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? So, so what's happening here is, is, is Jesus has been around the disciples for a period of time now. And, and they've been watching him and watching him do all of these miracles. But they've also been listening to him. And what they want to do is they want to have ears to hear. They get Jesus alone and they want to know, hey, wait a minute, you've told us this parable. Is there something deeper about the secrets of the kingdom? Is there something deeper about this? And, and I think we learn something very important about our relationship with Jesus and it's this 
What we want to do is we want to make sure that we're listening to who Jesus is. and what is. We want to be listening to the word of God, even when we at times find it very difficult to know and understand. We need to, through prayer, through study, through maybe the help of other people, we need to looking at the word of God and asking and inviting it into our lives and saying, how does this change me? How does it transform me? How does this help me to know more and more about who Jesus is and what he's done for our life? Disciples at this particular point in time were like the Bereans in the book of Acts. The Bereans in the book of Acts, they were listening to the message of Paul, and they were looking at Scripture saying, is, is what Paul's saying aligning with the Word of God? And if it's aligning with the Word of God, then what I want to do is I want to follow that. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. Are we going to listen to the Word of God? Are our hearts open and transparent to the Word of God and what He would have to say in our lives? And so in the context here, the disciples are asking questions. They wanted to know about the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What were the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of God? A secret or a mystery was something that could be known only through revelation. That Jesus wanted to reveal to them a secret or a mystery about who he was and about his purpose for coming. It, this wasn't this idea of secret or mystery where well, we had this exclusive little club. And what we're going to do is in order to get into this exclusive little club, you have to know or embrace this, this secret password or this information. What Jesus is referring to here is, is if you want to know about the mystery or the secret of the kingdom of God, this is about me. This is about my purpose for coming. This is about my life. It's about the totality of my mission and my ministry and my message to all people. And he began in Mark chapter 1 with that very thought about the kingdom. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Now think about that. If you just heard that one verse, if you had ears to hear, if you just heard that one verse, wouldn't it kind of strike you as a little bit odd? Wouldn't it strike you? Wait a minute, I, I don't fully understand that. What does it mean about the kingdom of God? And what does it mean that it's near? What does it mean to repent? And what does it mean to believe? And what is the good news anyway? In other words, what we need to know is our eyes and ears need to be open to the word of God and how we might dig a little bit deeper about this concept about subject about the kingdom of God and how it would transform our lives. And that's what, the, that's what the disciples did. Jesus comes preaching, and these 12 people actually reoriented their lives to following Jesus because he had words of eternal life. They had words that would transform them. So they began to reorient their very lives and to follow him. Other peoples came to an understanding that, that the demonic influence that they were held captive by, they can be freed because of the nature of Jesus, by his words, by the power of his words. They could find freedom from the demonic elements out there. That people with a wide variety of sicknesses and diseases, that even paralysis, could find healing and freedom by simply Jesus speaking the words, be cleansed, be healed. There's power in the life of Jesus. There's power in the words of Jesus. And not only that, that, that common everyday people, Gentiles, common everyday people could now have a unique relationship with God, a relationship, a close, intimate relationship with God through the preaching of the kingdom by turning their hearts and their minds to respond to the gospel. They can be connected by God. In other words, it wasn't just for these Jewish people over here. It was the, the, the message of the kingdom is open for all people. And when Jesus came preaching about the kingdom of God, he was confronting the religious establishment and their understanding about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is not just about them being a Jew or by following the law. When Jesus came preaching about the kingdom of God, he came confronting the religious people about their understanding about fasting, about their understanding about healing on the Sabbath, about all of these things according to their law. And so Jesus comes 
unique person, and he begins to confront them with their understanding of the kingdom of God and how it relates ultimately to who he is and what he would come to do. So Jesus comes and says, I, I, want, I want to teach you and, and speak to you about the mysteries, the secret of the kingdom of God, being this, that God would come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, and that through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah would one day reign that they would see and experience the coming of the kingdom in their own lives. And this mystery in the incarnation was given to them as Jesus came. And, and when you look at the Bible in 1 Timothy, this mystery of the incarnation talks about there's a mystery of godliness found in the unique person of Jesus. That's why he's come. There's this mystery of his life and mystery of godliness. By, by putting our faith and our trust in him, we can have this godliness given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. There's the mystery that, that God, that Jesus actually come and live inside of us. In the book of Colossians, it talks about this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery that's been revealed, that God, through the person of Jesus Christ, would come and he would actually dwell among his people and dwell in our hearts. That this mystery of marriage, you know what marriage actually is? Going back to the book of Genesis, marriage is actually a picture of Christ in the church. So your relationship, my relationship with my wife is absolutely critically important because in that relationship, in that marriage relationship, it's a picture of Christ in the church. That's the mystery of marriage, if you will. And there's this mystery of, of the barrier that, 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 that what separated me, what separated from us from each other, what separated us from a holy God is that Jesus would come and he would break down all of the barriers when he would go to the cross and he would offer himself as a sacrifice for sin on the cross. The mystery that God was touching fallen humanity in a wonderful and powerful way through the unique person of Jesus and his preaching about the kingdom. And so Jesus came and began to do all of these miracles. But while he was doing these miracles, he was teaching over and over and over about the kingdom of God. And as he come to this particular point in the Gospel of Mark, what Jesus wanted to do is he wanted to up the once again, he wanted to say, do you have a full understanding of who I am and the very reason why I came, not just as a miracle worker, not just someone to fix your problem, but do you have an understanding of who I am and my purpose for coming? Because the Bible says this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, do they, do we have a full understanding of the nature and the character of who Jesus is and what he would come to do in our life? All of that comes down to what the Bible says is to our heart condition. Do I have a heart open, receptive to the things? Or do I have a heart heart? Or do I have a, a heart that's kind of separated at times? Or do I, I have a heart that's sometimes on, on rocky types of soil where I'm not really fully embracing who Jesus is and what he's done for us? And, and what Jesus is going to do as he gives this warning, as he confronts these people through this parable, he's going to ask them the question, are your hearts responsive to my truth to you? And that's the question that we have before us this morning. Are our, our, our hearts responsive to the Lord? Or do we have a, a, a hard heart to the things of the Lord? So what I want to do is I want to return to the Gospel of Mark for the next couple of months, October, November, before we get to December. And, and I want to look at the life of Jesus. It, that's why we have this sign here. It's his story. Th this is Jesus' story, but it's also our story. In other words, how does my story, how does your story relate to Jesus and what he's done for us? And so we began in, in the first three chapters looking at the life of Jesus. And now in chapter 4, we have a part where we're going to be listening. Jesus is going to say, listen, I, I, guys, gals, it, it's really important that you listen to me. It's really important that you listen to the word of God, listen to my words, embrace them. And not only embrace them, but to hear and to respond in a, way, a powerful way. So let me 
read through our text so we can understand this morning the heart of a hearer. Mark chapter 1, there are 20 verses, but let me just read the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord as I read it to you. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore on the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said this, verse 3, listen. Behold, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered away because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Verse 8, still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said to them, with the warning, he ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him, they asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand? And then he goes in verse 14 through 20 to give the explanation. Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where this word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the great privilege you have of, of sitting and meditating on your word. We've already sung about our hearts respond to your word. And Father, we do ask that you would open our eyes. The, the book of Psalms talks about open our eyes that we would see wonderful things from your word. That ultimately we would see that this morning reflects who Jesus is and what he would have for us and how that we can bear fruit in our lives by having an open heart to who he is and what he's done for us. Father, I pray that our hearts would be soft and open to the truth and that the Spirit of God would speak to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. So, Mark chapter 4 begins with a bunch of common themes. There's crowds of people, there's teaching, there's the lake. And if you look at the Gospel of Matthew and if you look at the Gospel of Luke, it's recorded the same that's the same scene it's recorded there. And when we compare all of these uh, particular scenes together, we get this picture of, of Jesus being probably down by the Sea of Galilee, down by the lake. And, and there's so many people that they're crowding in around, they're crowding in around, that, that he has to take evasive action against again. There's a boat there, and so most likely with himself, and most likely with the disciples, they go out and they go just a little bit offshore, if you will, and they're in this boat. 
And, and verse 1, it talks about the crowds were, were so large that he's having to take evasive action here. And what we know and understand is this, the crowds are coming from all over. In the Gospel of Luke, it says they were from Tyre and Sidon, which is over 100 miles away. Somehow, some way, they'd heard about this miracle worker. Somehow, some way, through some kind of report, maybe some person's life had been transformed. They were hearing about Jesus, and they said, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to walk 100 miles. I'm going to go down to the Sea of Galilee. What I'm going to do is I, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to find out about this Jesus. Maybe he can heal me. Maybe he can do something for them. And, and as all of these people are gathered together, as Jesus is teaching them, by the way, what he wants to do is he wants to up the ante with them. He wants to challenge them and say, listen, I, I want to make sure that you have a full understanding of who I am, that I'm not just this miracle worker. I'm not just this person who's going to come and try and change you by doing some kind of miracle. In other words, if you want your life to be oriented to the kingdom of God, if you want your life to be oriented with me in, in a unique way, you need to know and embrace all of my word because they will touch your life, they will change you, they will transform you on the inside. So what Jesus begins to do is he begins to teach him parables. Now, a parable was something that the Jewish people no doubt would be familiar with. In the, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about this, that God confronted the people of their sin using a parable. Think back to the life of David. Remember how the, the prophet Nathan confronted David? He told him about a sheep. He told him a parable about a sheep. So there's no doubt in my mind they would be familiar with this idea, this concept of parables. Some people say that a parable is kind of a, uh, an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. That's, that's probably true. But there's something deeper about a parable. A parable, what a parable does is it invites us to dig a little bit deeper. What a parable does is maybe it gives us a mirror of our life, or, or maybe what a parable does is it opens us up. It's a, it's a window to the, to the nature and the character of God in a different way. And what we are invited to do is this. We're invited to, to look at our relationship with God, look at the nature and the character of Jesus through this parable in a very, very different way. So these, these crowds are gathered together, and Jesus begins to tell them a parable. I can imagine that it's maybe late October, early December, it's planting season, so the, so the farmer, he, he grabs his bag of seed, and, he's, he, and he walks down through the roads, there's these roads, maybe he's walking down the roads, and he just, he's kind of tossing, tossing it over here, tossing it over here, tossing it all around, tossing it so that these, this seed would be implanted in the ground and then it would grow. And what we see in the parable, there's four types of, four types of soil. In, in verse 4, there's the soil of the path. Some seed fall on a hard path. You know what? Crops are not going to grow with seeds sown on a hard path. There's, there's nothing good about it. The path, it's just too hard. It's, you can't walk on it. it the seed's not going to penetrate. It goes on in verse 5, talks about the soil of the rock. The seed was, was starting to grow, but, but it, it, it can't grow. There's, it can't really go down. It can't find a root. There's no moisture. It's just going to die. The soil on the rock is just going to die. Verse 7, Jesus talked about the soil of the thorns. The seed was tossed and it landed in a place. So there's thorns and there's weeds. What happens? Well, if the seed gets by the thorns, it's going to get choked out. It's, gonna, it's not going to produce any kind of good crop if you and then jesus begins the fourth soil it's it's the good soil this seed was so, sown in the good soil and it yielded an incredible wonderful powerful powerful harvest so if you're sitting there and you hear jesus tell this parable what would you do how would you respond a sower seed four types of soil pretty simple to understand right so why don't we just pray sing a song take communion and go home well because wouldn't you be scratching your head going Okay, I hear the parable, I understand the soils, I understand, but, but what's the application to my life? How does this relevant to my life? In other words, if, if I want to have eyes to see, ears to hear, if, if I want to go on that deeper relationship with Jesus, don't I have to dig a little deeper? 
Don't I have to dig and, and try and understand and know and understand what Jesus would have for my life? And that's what the disciples do. They kind of pull him aside. We don't know exactly when, but at some particular point, the 12 and a few others, they pull him aside and say, hey, listen, we have some questions about you. We want to make sure we're not like the people of Isaiah who basically rejected the, the, the will of the Lord, who rejected the, the prophet. We don't want to be like them. We want our hearts and minds to be open to you and what you would have for us and how we would understand our relationship with you and our understanding about the character of God. In other words, Jesus says to them, listen, I have words that will radically change your life. If you... So what Jesus does in Mark chapter 4, verse 13 through 20, is he gives them the explanation of the parable. And it's about, ultimately, it's about people. It's about people who hear the word of the Lord. And it's about the heart of every day and how they respond to the story of Jesus, how they respond to the word of God. And basically what it is, it's an invitation for us to open our minds, our hearts, and our, to the revelation of Jesus and how we can be changed by who we is and what he is. Look at verses 13 and 14. Notice Jesus' words and the importance of this parable. He says this, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. What, what Jesus is reminding them is this, the key to your understanding about me, the key to your understanding about the kingdom of God, the key to your understanding about my life, death, burial, and resurrection is this. You need to understand this parable. You need to embrace it. You need to have ears to hear so that... As I walk through this, you have an opportunity to evaluate your life and evaluate where is my heart in response to the Lord? Where is my response to Jesus and his teaching and his revelation? And what Jesus does, he goes and he says, let me explain this parable to you. Let me show you what this parable is all about. And the invitation for the people back then, like you and I today, is this. Let's walk through this parable and the explanation that Jesus says. Verse 15, he talks about a hard heart. Look at verse 15 again. Some people, some people, I, I hope that's not like you and I, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So, so some of the seed falls along the footpath, along maybe the edge of the field, if you will. Um, obviously, dirt that's trampled on, what's going to do, it's going to create hard-packed hard packed dirt, and, and it's not going to be able to, the seed's not going to be able to pen. I, I think of, um, go back to, to Mark chapter 2. Remember when Jesus is walking through the grain fields of the people and the Pharisees? Are these, he says he's walking through the grain fields. Well, maybe what's happening is there is a path along right in the middle of the grain fields, and there's this hard pack, and, and that's kind of the picture that we have here. He walks through, he threw the seed out on both sides, but in the middle of it, there's this, there's this path right in the middle of it. And maybe that's what we have a picture here. And this path, this soil, this hard heart represents an unresponsive heart. You know, we often think that, well, you know, if people would just see a miracle or if they would see God, if they would see Jesus do something, maybe their lives would be transformed. Maybe they would respond to Jesus in a different way. You know, what I would say to that is think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees witnessed an absolute miracle by Jesus. He healed a paralytic, right? They saw this with their own eyes. But they couldn't come to the understanding that in the midst of this, this healing, when Jesus says that I have the ability to forgive sins, they couldn't reconcile the fact of Jesus' ability to forgive sins and this ability and the power to save. In other words, those things didn't go together. Why? Because there's no way that Jesus could be God. There's no way. 
And even the religious leaders, the Pharisees, couldn't make the connection. They couldn't go deeper, if you will, with Jesus. They couldn't reconcile the, the, the paralytic healing and this idea that he could forgive sins. And so what do they do? They simply harden their heart to him. They close their heart. There's no way that this is going to happen. And I think that's what we do sometimes. We close our heart to the word of God because of all the different things we see going on, these worldly philosophies out there. People are bombarded with man and man man-centered thinking about the meaning of purpose in life, morality, justice. You know, every day our students are bombarded with these messages of a man-centered philosophy that we can figure out all of these things simply if we get a little bit better at understanding and helping each other. And, and what we do end up doing is this. People end up doing is they, they, they harden their heart to the things of the Lord. And what's really, really graphic in this description is it says that Satan comes along and what he do? He steals that word of God that's been that Satan would steal the word that's been sown inside a person. I think one of the things that we need to be mindful of is this, that we'd be mindful that there are people out there that have hard hearts. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend. Remember, um, I was at camp. I, I've never forgotten this. I was at camp many, many years ago, and there's a young person who I knew quite well, knew his family, in this conversation. And basically, in the midst of the conversation, he, he told me this, I hate God, and I was absolutely shocked at this person. See, what had happened is they'd grown up, they'd seen their mom and dad, they'd seen their lives transform, they'd seen ministry and youth group, and yet all of that simply, what did it do? It hardened the, his, this person's heart to the things of God and basically walked away and hardened his heart to any kind of teaching the Word of God and about who Jesus That's the hard heart. Jesus goes on to explain in verses 16 and 7 about a shallow heart. Are we responsive to the word of God or do we have a shallow understanding, superficial understanding? Verse 16 says this, others, other people like seeds sown on rocky places. What do they do? They hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they, come, they quickly fall away. This is not soil with rocks scattered in it, but rather there's this thin layer of soil, maybe two or three inches, and underneath it in Israel, this is limestone. So what can happen is the seed can be sown, it can grow, but it can only go so far in the dirt, and then what it's going to do, it's going to hit this limestone, and it's going to stop, and it can't go further, it can't get the water, it can't get the nutrients that it needs, it can't get any of that, and basically what's going to happen, it's going to wither and it's going to die. And this kind of shallow heart represents the person who emotionally would join, maybe welcomes the message of Jesus. You know, someone says, listen, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you put your faith and your trust in him, all of your problems are going to go away. He's going to take care of you. He's going to help you. See, we, we have to be careful that we don't give a false understanding of the nature and the character. of Because a lot of times a person's life will not get better. As a matter of fact... In another country, their lives may get worse because by simply embracing Jesus as the Messiah, their lives will radically be shifted into something that's really, really difficult. We have to be careful of our presentation of the gospel. I remember when we first went with Daryl to the Philippines, um, we were cautioned by Becky and Daryl about the way that we present the gospel and the way that we present responding to Jesus Christ. What they said was this, what you don't want to do is you don't want to give an altar call and ask anyone who wants to accept Jesus to simply raise your hand. Why? Because every one of them will raise their hand. Because they know and understand that this is just another thing that I need to do to enter into relationship with God. So we had to be very, very careful in the way that we presented the claims of Christ. 
Because what we wanted to make sure was they truly knew and understood who Jesus is, what he's done, how they need to repent of their sin, put their faith and trust in Jesus, not just in addition to something else. There's a hard heart. There's a shallow heart. The third type of soil that Jesus deals with is a conflicted heart. Are you ever conflicted in your relationship? Ever conflicted? Maybe you're confronted with something in your life and you're a little bit conflicted. You're not necessarily sure what to do or how to respond. This kind of person, this kind of soil is conflicted. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says this, Still others people, like seeds sown among the thorns, what do they do? They hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in, and what do they do? It chokes the word, making it unfruitful. What's interesting is this, the idea of choke, it's used in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. And what it means there is, is, is there's so many people around Jesus that he can't really operate. And what's happening, his life is being choked out. He can't move, he can't operate. So what does he have to do? He has to take evasive action. I'm going to get in a boat. I'm going to go out in the water and I'm going to begin to, to tell people out. That, that's this idea of all of these other things, these desires, the deceitfulness of wealth comes in. And what is it? it? It chokes us out of our life. It chokes us out from being fruitful the way that God would have us to be. The thorns gradually take over and they choke the seed so it doesn't produce fruit. And Jesus in this parable identifies the thorns as the worries, riches, and pleasures of this life. You can't have it. You can't follow Jesus and mammon at this You'll be devoted to one or you'll be devoted to the other. You can't serve God and mammon. You know, Jesus had some hard things to say about riches. Luke chapter 12, a parable of the barns. Remember that one? This is what Jesus said about the parable of barns. He said this, This is how will it be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This guy thought, you know what? I've got so much stuff. I've got so much things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put all my stuff in the barn. And since I've got an overflow, I'm just going to build another barn. And I'm going to put all of my stuff in the barn. And the point of the parable is says, you fool, tonight your very life is demanded of you. You're planning all of these things for your stuff, all of these things with your riches, and you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And the point of the parable is, listen, be rich toward God. Give your life away. Give your stuff away. Respond in a way that's powerful to who he is and what he was in. And be rich toward the things of God and the things. Jesus is simply reminding us that there are things in our life that can choke us and help us to be unfruitful in the things of the Lord. Let me ask you something. Are the things in your life choking your relationship with the Lord? Is there something there that's, that's maybe outside that you've kind of left out and nobody knows about, but it's, it's ultimately choking out your relationship? Maybe it's something that you're worried about. Maybe it's a pursuit. You know, are you giving yourself fully to the Lord and who he is and what he would have for us? You see, we can become hard-hearted in our relationship with the Lord. What we can do is we can have shallow understanding of our relationship with God. We can build our lives on rocky. And if we do all of those things, we're going to end up in a place that doesn't look good. And so Jesus ends this parable with the idea of, of being good soil. Look at verse 20. Others like seed sown on good soil. What do they do? They hear. You're here. We're here. Are, are, are we hearing and listening to the word of God in the way that impact our lives? Accept it. In other words, am I going to retain it in my life? Am I going to put it in practice? Am I going to be a hearer of the word of God? Am I going to embrace it and allow it, no matter how difficult it is in my life? Maybe the word of God, maybe Jesus' word is going to confront me in an area that I need to change. I can't just pick and choose all the things that I want. But I am, I, am I allowing the words of Jesus, am I allowing the counsel of Jesus to transform me on the inside in such a way that what I'll do, I will produce a crop 36 years. The Bible talks about Jesus being the word. He is the word made flesh. 
We have the unique person of Jesus. We have the word of Jesus. We have the word of God that's ultimately geared to transform and change us on the inside. So I have a question about my finances. What do I do? I bring, I bring my questions to the word of God. I have a question about a relationship. So what do I do? I bring that under the umbrella of the word of God. I have questions about morality, life, purpose. I bring all of those under the umbrella of the Word of God, and I allow the Word of God to transform and to change us on the inside as I put my faith and trust not only in Jesus, but in the instructions that He has for us in the Word of God. Hear, retain, persevere. And the Bible says this, you're going to bear fruit. You may not see it, but you're going to bear fruit. You know, maybe you're going to bear fruit, you maybe not see it for 5, 10, 15 years down the line. You know, maybe you're imparting teaching and truth to a young person, or maybe you're doing that to, to children. You may not see it immediately, but at some particular point in time, you're going to see it in return. What about a parent? Are you sowing the word of God? Are you demonstrating your love and your obedience for Jesus? Are you demonstrating this idea that I'm going to embrace God's word and our family, our lives are going to be built on the word of God? Are you demonstrating that to your children so they have a respect for the word of God and you have that foundation given to them? Other seed. Sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times. That was. The Bible says this, the word of God is living, active, sharper than it's able to divide the, the thoughts in of our heart. Of God is incredibly powerful. And I believe what Jesus was doing at this particular point in time with the disciples, some of these others, is you need to know who I am and what I'm teaching about the kingdom. The rule and the reign of Christ has been established in my presence. And as I come and, and confront these demonic powers, as I come and confront all of these things, as I confront your lives, they and us, we, we need to look to him and to trust him for who he is, no matter how difficult life is. And so Jesus is going to go, and he's going to tell a couple more parables. So this idea of are we listening to him and what he would instruct to us about the kingdom. Lord, the disciples got to a really difficult time. The crowds were leaving. People didn't want to be around Jesus anymore. And Jesus asked his disciples, do you want to go away? Do you want to go away too? And they responded by saying, you have words of eternal life. Where are we to go? And Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that Jesus is the word revealed. Father, we thank you that he reminds us of what we can do to have a relationship with him. That's simply by repenting of our sin and putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. You invite us into a unique relationship where we can have our sin forgiven and that you would give us the kind of life that helps us to know and understand what it is that you would have for us. Father, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of suffering, Lord, you have the power through the Holy Spirit of God to bear us up and to teach us, and we thank you. Father, this morning we come to a really important part of our service where we take a moment to reflect on Jesus and what he's done for us in going to the cross. And Father, we look forward and anticipate and celebrate what he has done for us.